0: Welcome to Skip It. This is a podcast, if you're hearing it for the first time, that relives the iconic Australian TV series called Skippy. I grew up in New Zealand and we got called Skippies. If you're from Australia, you got called a Skippy. That's how iconic the show was. It was just synonymous with Australia. And this series, we try to relive that, that series by watching every episode. In this podcast. So we're up to episode 24 now. We're part of a, a two-part series, the first time we've encountered a two-part section of the season. It's called Tara and it's directed by Max Varnell and written by Joan Levy and Ross Napier. It features our usual family of the Hammonds plus Tom Farley as Jefferson Judd and Ali Miller or Ali Miller. I'm not actually sure. Just as a point of note, uh, Ali could be short for Alistair, or (laughs) Ali, obviously, an Islamic name, because I know in the 60s, a lot of minorities, people of colour across the world did embrace Islam. So I'm not sure if there might have been an Ali uh, influence in the name. If you know, you can tell us. You can comment on the Skippy Facebook page. But before we go any further with the episode, let me introduce you to two people who I do this with every week. I'm joined now by Lee. Hello, Lee. Hey Ashwin, how's it going? Good, thank you. And Johnny, hey. Hey, hey. Uh, either of you, was it Ali or Ali? Uh,
1: Johnny. I was just thinking um, Ali. And like that could be a Aboriginal name as well. And also I was going to say for the credits, the Aboriginal tribe uh, all played by members of the Aboriginal theatre, and I'll probably stuff this name up again, Yirrkala in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory.
0: Okay. We are going to meet this tribe. A key yes. part of this episode. So they come in later in the episode. Let's kick it off. This episode starts with Sonny running up to see Tara. Skippy approaches respectfully while Sonny rolls up with the subtlety of a landslide. Sonny says, Dad's found a way to help. Dad's found a way to help. While Tara is lying, perhaps in the final moments of his life. Skippy wipes a tear away. Lee, do
2: cry? Well, I'm glad that you pointed that out, Ashwin, because that was, that was a question that I had. It, was, it definitely looked like Skippy, at least, was wiping away a tear. And the other thing that was interesting was that this episode started right with the beginning of part two with no previously on Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Like, you know, we always have nowadays a previously on. Whether it's a two-parter or not, we always have a recap of the previous episode. This didn't do that. It just jumped straight in to the start of the episode, assuming you'd already seen the last one.
1: Yeah, they basically just they thought that everyone's seen the last episode, we don't care, you're gonna have to catch up.
2: I assume this was in nineteen sixty eight or
0: seven, where there was only like one TV channel, and this is pretty much all people did. So yeah, maybe they were quite right. Everyone had seen the last episode. Interesting. So we'll we'll get back to that problem. So Skippy yeah, Skippy wipes a tear away, Sonny's distraught, and then we cut to Matt. Matt is in town and he pulls up in front of an apartment block. He's suited up in a black tie, which is very un-Matt. He's not like Steve Irwin, who went everywhere in khaki. Matt feels much more like a chameleon type of bush ranger. (laughs) Lee, as he pulled up towards this building, what did you make of that building and what might happen inside?
2: I did like that because we were able to see Sydney, the city, back in the 60s and I haven't personally seen a lot of that kind of footage so just out of general interest I thought it was a pretty cool scene what I thought of the building it certainly looked very flash very ritzy it was a sort of weird situation seeing Matt out of the bush and also wearing a suit and tie. Like, it looked mm. a bit uncomfortable. It was a he, bit of a fish-out-of-water situation. He did look
1: very awkward with it on. Yeah,
2: yeah. So it was certainly one of those cases where I thought, well, if it's a fish-out-of-water thing, I thought there might be some more awkward moments coming up, just with him unsure how to interact with all these business professionals. And, uh, well, I'll let you let the audience mm. know. Yeah. But yeah, the,
0: Touch a Crocodile Dundee in that. Johnny, what did you think about? that? <laughs> yeah,
1: of yeah, no, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the Crocodile Dundee reference. You know, he's just t- purely used to the bush and khaki and he's totally out of his element. And I took note of that building too because it was like, you could tell it was the most modern building there built because it was peak late 60s 1970s architecture with like it didn't it looked like a sort of cool building so yeah it was sort of interesting them focusing on that and him sort of in the big smoke
0: yeah it's an interesting moment he's very fish out of water as you say and he arrives there and he meets judd judd
2: is at the bar that was very convenient as well Ashwin, because if you remember he walks up to the bar and asks the bartender i'm here to see you mr judd and he's right next to him he's like oh you (laughs) haven't it was like very convenient (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think the writers have had enough for that afternoon. <laughs> Let's just wrap this up. Uh, so it's a yeah, very fast meeting. So they go and sit down together at a table and Matt requests a shandy and Judd orders it reluctantly. And, <laughs> yeah. and this
1: sort of starts like a theme of like him just like, I am rich as fuck. <laughs> you know, like just rubbing yeah. it in. Not necessarily rubbing it in, but just definitely like showing off. And also take note of the decor in the place. It's very nice.
0: It's very lovely. But I actually feel like sometimes my brother's a lawyer and dad's a doctor. So sometimes they'll go to fine restaurants and I'll order a cranberry crusher. And the look on their face <laughs> is very similar to what Judd gave Matt at that moment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, there's a reason for this kind of power play that slowly unfurls as the episode goes on. But they talk about Tara and Judd says he thought Tara had died. And Matt explains Tara is dying. So Judd was half right. Uh, They get some food and Judd orders lobster and oysters again, lobster and oysters, and takes charge of ordering the drinks this time, not leaving it up to that heathen Hammond. (laughs) Um, Matt shows Judd the Albert medal, which Tara owned, and then Judd says Tara has saved his life. Matt says, you know, he's been living, Tara has been living in the park illegally in an isolated area he says Tara's been living in this botanical area that may yield medicines in 100 years' time. And it was actually it was actually quite cool for me to, if Matt, talk about the year 2067, which we're not even at yet now, given mm. that we're here as an old show. What did you guys think about that scene? And then the second question I'd like to ask you, what do you think about Tara living in the park, yes or no? Lee?
2: Well, it's interesting that you asked that question because at the very end And I don't want to sort of jump to it, but Matt references that. And I won't say what he says, but we'll save it to the end. But, But in terms of alluding to, is it okay that he lives there or not? Given the colonial invasion, yes, he absolutely should live there because that's his land. So that was my personal thought. I thought it was really interesting hearing him talk about it, though. You know, we've mentioned in the last couple of episodes how Matt is very open to the way that they presented on the show, magic, and mm-hmm. in this he, I think he calls it sorcery. He sources, he, <laughs> calls, he
1: references sorcery,
2: sorcery, and the yeah. way he talks about that. And we last week, John, you mentioned. The pointing the bone and what that means. And in this episode, he, he goes into really,
1: detail. Yeah. In
2: detail about what yeah. it means and the way Aboriginals think about death and how modern medicine can't actually help them. So what what did you guys think of that that whole explanation of the sorcery piece?
1: Yeah, like I I thought it was very interesting. Also the fact that uh the Judd guy sort of didn't get back in contact with this guy who saved his life but okay but i guess he was told he was dead but um but also didn't go to his funeral anyway um the other thing was that tyra had been living there the whole time without anybody knowing anyway so the whole point of like him being allowed to live there is sort of almost mute because it doesn't really matter he's lived there no one noticed. He hasn't be- He's like in a secret valley that is really hard to get to. And also the fact that his people were originally from there and migrated away, you know, I think he, he's allowed to stay there as much as anybody else is. I think that's totally, you know, negated. But the way it would have realistically been treated back then would have probably not been the way that necessarily Matt or the way things work out, and then Matt explaining the um, unnatural phenomenon, and he sort of just totally goes into all of the pointing the bone, where if someone points the bone, they even if someone's a hundred miles away, it's surefire they're going to die, sort of thing. So it's all very interesting. And then while this happening, Judd's just totally schmoozing Matt.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting how I've never seen Matt speak without confidence whether he's talking about an ecological practice or sorcery. Mm -hmm. He's so unapologetic and unhesitant when he says things, no matter who he's talking to. She's like, of course there's sorcery.
1: (laughs) Of course this place will yield unknown scientific benefits in the future, you know. know, Technically, that is definitely on the right side of that. But, you know, the other thing is that, like, most of those parks would have eventually probably been, like, encroached on too at some point by urbanisation. So you've got a whole different range of elements going in this. I like
2: the way they filmed that scene too because they did a lot of, I don't know if you noticed, a lot of the push-ins, slow push-ins, close-ups. It was really building the... (laughs) The exposition, which it really was, in a very sort of tense, not in a nervous, like, making you anxious way, but just this mm. very serious conversation that Matt was having. The information he was imparting was very important. And just, yeah, there was a slow push on his face, then a close-up on Judd's face. It was just a way to really enhance that moment I thought was directed quite well. But, but yeah. they also yeah.
1: still don't let on what Matt's actually thinking of doing. So even though yeah. you sort of have an idea, but, yeah, like, he doesn't let it you know, be
0: known. No. So Judd, as you pointed to, is sceptical of pointing the bone and anything like that. But Matt says it's real and he's seen Aboriginal people fade away and die when subject to this sorcery and that nothing can be done. So Judd's almost questioning what's the point of you being here if nothing can be done? But Matt says that Tara's own tribe can remove the sorcery and that they live 2,000 miles away then we see the oysters arrive, and then we see, which is quite a sudden interruption, but it's, it's all reinforcing Judd's wealth. I think that's the <laughs> point of it. The whole scene is about tell us how rich Judd is. He's very Dr. Stark. I'm sure they, they know other,
1: he's He's like the opposite of Dr. Stark, country. isn't
0: he? Yeah, financially. He's... And then we see Tara's tribe arriving on a flight and boarding a charter bus. Skippy and Sunny meet Tara again. Sunny tells Tara his tribe has arrived and asks Tara not to give up. Judd and Matt are now at the park headquarters. Judd is not sure if this will all work, but good on him for paying for an expensive charter flight and bus, though. Did your impression of Judd change after he splashed out for the flight? Lee? Lee?
2: I thought he would do it because he did make a big deal about the fact that Tara, despite him, as you said, John, he didn't even check whether hearing that Tara was dead was true or not because he didn't go to the funeral. But at the same time, I thought, look, he's probably going to do something like that because it clearly meant a lot to him. I mean, the man saved his life. What I was more surprised at was putting two of the Aborigines in a helicopter to fly them away. Because this is, I don't know if you remember from last week. This is what caused it all. (laughs) Yeah, I said last week, oh, as a joke, oh, I hope they don't try to approach Tara again in a helicopter because this is exactly what he thought was the death spirit. And that's what they did. They put two Aborigines in a helicopter. I also wondered what they would think of the bus because it's not set up. Like, how familiar is this particular tribe with modern technology or Western, I should say, Western modern technology? Mm. So I just wasn't sure. They didn't really... Refer to that very much, (laughs) yeah, yeah,
1: like because yeah, wouldn't they freak out just as much? (laughs) That's what I
2: thought, and they
1: just got flown like two thousand miles, so that's like uh, a a very long flight, yeah, yeah. And back then, it would have been rattly and noisy as hell.
0: Yeah, they didn't give us much information about the tribe's background, whether they were living in two worlds or what they might be comfortable with. But No, yeah. it
1: wasn't too important. The main thing was that Judd was prepared to go out of his way to pay this very expensive uh, <laughs> yep. trip for these. Because, like, planes back then would have been insanely expensive to hire, yep. enough for a whole tribe to come. But it was, a very ho- it was like a, a, a whole sequence of them coming off and they're all in ceremonial paint and gear and spears. And it's like you wouldn't get through that through uh, the uh, metal detectors or the uh, security these days on the plane. Mm. Um, And so they're all coming down off the plane and then straight on a bus and then, you know, off to the park. And then, yeah, they get split off where Matt takes some on foot and then the Songmen go with uh, Jerry.
0: Yeah, so that's the next plot point. So Matt tells Jerry to take the Songmen and the Chopper while the rest of them will walk. Sonny then walks towards a prone Tara with a rock. And I wasn't sure if he was going to drop it on him, some kind of euthanasia.
2: That's exactly what I thought. I was like, is he about to try to put him out of his misery? Because it was a big rock, and he walked straight to his head with it.
1: Yeah, You won't yeah. feel no pain no more, Tara. Yeah.
0: Because <laughs> Sonny can be impulsive. So I this is one of his moments.
1: I, um, I heard this could fix you, <laughs> Smash. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is the point who just randomly joined a sheep gang and, like, but stole wool from people for no reason. So you does, know, don't
1: know what that is capable of. He, he does something almost worse. He uses it as a pillow for Tara, which yeah. is like, oh, just smash it on my head, mate. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was very insulting. Oh, you guys are used to sleeping on rocks. This will be comfortable for you. But it wasn't I didn't
2: even like a smooth it. rock. it no, was, it was pointy.
0: Yeah. It was, yeah, very insensitive moment from Sunny there, but... He just wanted to feel like he could do something to help, I think. Yeah. Because he's felt pretty powerless this episode. So he lays the stone pillow for Tara, and he says, "Oh, your people are coming. Then the helicopter arrives. Tara looks up as if he wasn't in a fragile enough state. He looks up and sees the chopper again, and he says he saw this before. He didn't like the chopper last time. He sees it as an omen of death. It's evil spirit,
1: yeah, I think he says.
0: Um, and then he goes back to being unresponsive the songmen arrive a singer and a didgeridoo player jerry then asks sonny to come down presumably so the songmen can do their thing the songmen continue at this point i was really enjoying this dive into aboriginal culture <laughs> death uh, ceremonies music dance what did you make of this foray into aboriginal culture lee
2: it was a very long scene. That whole ritual, that dance, went for a really long time. So I absolutely thought when it started, this is fascinating, because I've never seen that before. I thought it was really well presented. One thing that I did think we might have got was because one thing that you notice when you're watching that play out is there was clearly a narrative to that dance it wasn't just like random dancing there was a structure to it all the moves were very deliberate it's kind of like ballet you know when you understand the moves of ballet it tells a story and mm-hmm. i really thought matt being the exposition guru would maybe have said what they're doing is or i kind of funnily enough i actually wanted that just some explanation of what is it that's happening? Because the scene of the dance went on silently. Well, not silently, because they were singing and doing the did you do. But that scene with no dialogue went on for about five minutes. Mm. So I thought it just needed something just to kind of explain what was going on. I mean, was it necessary? No, you could kind of figure out what was happening. But because it was so intricate and it was filmed so well, I really wanted to understand what what is specifically happening here. It would have boosted my enjoyment of that scene a lot more. But they certainly didn't shy away from showing it.
1: Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, awesome because it, pretty much as soon as they get out, they just start doing the didgeridoo and the the song they play. It's not like eerie or anything. It's just like outer worldly almost, um, mm-hmm. and and it definitely gets you in a into a bit of a trance. I felt and just with the the you know dancing as well. That was almost hypnotic too because they were like as they were moving up to the Tara they were dancing as well. And then when once they reach him and the didgeridoo guy sits down and you can, you know, you go, oh, all right, they're going to get into the full on, like they're going to reel his spirit back in and um, help him out because it was a traditional dance. So you sort of just take it for what it is. Um, you know, it's pretty much like an art form and as well as like a uh, spiritual thing as well. So I feel like it didn't need the narration, but I know what you mean. Like it would have been good, That, But then, you know, you don't want some dumb white guy narrating like what he thinks happening. So it's probably the best way you could have uh, treated that. And yeah, that whole end sequence was really, really great because it was all about the dancing and the the song and them doing what they needed to do to get Tara better.
2: And no Western instruments added this time. Like previously they always liked to throw in a couple of organ or a flute or something. But this time they just let it play out, which I thought was really good.
0: That's right. And that's, yeah, I think that's why I enjoyed that. It was, so, it was so different to a Dr. Stark episode plot chasing, fight scene, Skippy kicking Stark in the face. And this is just such a different vibe to it. So, yeah, they kept that authentic vibe. So then the whole, the rest of the tribe arrive. They finish their long walk. We see that Judd has at least taken off his jacket, which is the most <laughs> casual thing he's done whole, in the whole episode. Uh, the whole tribe is singing. So they go up to the rock where Tara is dying. Sonny tells Jerry he thinks it's too late and that Tara is almost dead. Matt says, we've done all we can and it's in the tribe's hand now, which is kind of positive psychology. Matt is very much do what you can, then leave it in the hands of fate. And so Matt's just a, a wise man in many ways. And that came out at that moment. The tribe then dances around Tara and their rhythm and clapping, I'm not sure if you noticed this and you were counting, Lee, their rhythm and clapping is not a five beat. Did you pick up the five beat there?
2: No, I didn't. I didn't notice that. But that's really interesting because I know we've talked a lot about the different cultures and the, not everything has to be four, four time.
0: Yeah, that's right. So I thought that was a really interesting rhythm because I was like you. I was trying to hook into the culture and try and find some meaning in it. And obviously, I wasn't getting any verbal or written explanation but that rhythm the five that was something a bit relatable so if you go back and watch the episode just yeah. toward the end you can hear them them dancing in a five and so they're trying to remove the evil spirit in tara finally after they've taken turns tara gets up and he joins the dance matt smiles knowing tara is going to be okay And Sonny is ecstatic. And I'm pretty much at the end of my plot points. I've just got one or two more because, like you said, this scene was so stretched out, Mm. and it was an ethereal scene of music and dance, not specific plot points. So it's interesting how short it was to summarise this episode. So then Sonny runs up to the rock, and he returns with Tara. Tara and Judd shake hands. No hug. Did you expect a hug at that moment, or was that culturally insensitive, Johnny?
1: I think they were both gentlemen. <laughs> they, they basically, you know, I guess two grown men hugging was uh, too much, even though it's like, dude, guy saved his life. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but no, it was it was still a very hearty handshake, and they both are very happy to see each other.
2: This is also when the Western music does kick in. This is when the banjo mm. kicks in, and this, you start to hear the, uh, the music that's kind of a derivation of the, the Skippy theme. Yeah.
0: Were you? Ex- I guess we all expect happy endings in a sunny episode. Did you expect it to happen in that way, Lee?
2: No, That the whole ending of this episode was nothing that I expected. I didn't think we'd get such an extended scene of the actual bringing Tara back to life, but I think it was good and it was important. And yeah. this is also where the conversation happens around what is going to happen with Tara now because Matt reiterates the fact that legally... It's not a place he can stay at. That was my final point. Matt says this is Tara's Park as much
0: as anyone else's and that the park authorities should let him stay. So what did you think? Yeah, so Lee, you continue. What did you think about this this ending on that issue?
2: I mean, you mentioned this before, John, that probably in real life, this (laughs) is not how it would have happened. No. But what I do like is that this is, it's almost aspirational. This is what Mm. you wish it, it should have been like this because it is his land as much as anyone else's. I mean, again, it was originally the land of his tribe. So, of course, he should be allowed to stay there just because we've decided to put in these other laws that make it very difficult for the original owners to live there. I think it's, um yeah, I thought that was just a really good statement. And I thought for 1968, given the mm. the times where it was, I'm mean, look, it still is, let's, let's be honest, nothing's really changed, but it's certainly not as bad, I don't think, as it was back then. And so for them to really make this stand on what was probably one of the biggest shows on TV at the time, so that so many people were watching it and to get that message. And Matt, who's really, along with Sonny, the hero of the show, making that kind of statement, I thought was quite, a positive thing so i really like that
1: yeah no it definitely worked out a lot happier than i thought it ever could uh and definitely more in real life because i just don't think that they would let him do that but maybe if he became a ranger they would do it that that was um one of the things i thought was really great about it and i think lee you're onto something there with like you know it definitely felt like 60s optimistic things are going to work out <laughs> you know, like if we all like be better people, everything will be great, that sort of shit. So I i I definitely love that message of the 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 episode, but and that part of the ending come uh where Tara gets to stay, nothing changes necessarily. And you know, the best part is he's not uh frightened of um helicopters anymore. Yeah. Funny well, problem
0: is all... there'll be no more helicopters anymore. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And then let's not forget that Skippy also has a lot to say at the very end and yes. encourages well, we don't really know exactly what she says, but Tara says he has many friends, extending that also to Skippy, which also yeah. made me think: Does he also understand Skippy then? Because it seemed to be that he understood what she was saying. If if yeah. anyone can, should be able to understand
1: <laughs> Skippy, it would you would think it would be an Aboriginal man, so uh, yeah. or an Aboriginal person. So you'd had him looking down and smiling, and it was a really great uh, end to the episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was quite surprised by this ending as well because Matt is normally so legalistic, letter of the law, stern kind of disciplinary. Oh yeah, yeah, he doesn't.
1: No, he he doesn't, and he says, "I'm certain the park authorities will agree." So it's like yeah. he's just like going, nut, he's staying."
2: But it's yeah. also alluded to throughout the last three episodes, including this one, that Matt seems to know a lot about Aboriginal culture. I mean, mm. he talks about almost like he knows several Aborigines. So yeah. it, it sort of does seem to be a bit outside the usual, Matt, of exactly like you said, Ashwin. Oh, I need to do everything by the letter of the law, by the very black and white. I really like the fact that they've expanded his character to be... Because there's a difference between right and wrong based on the law and right and wrong in your heart. Yeah. And I think Matt really goes with what's right in his heart, which <laughs> I think is great. That's exactly what it should be.
1: I, I think uh, Matt's just erring on the side of caution because he doesn't want anyone to point the boat at him <laughs> that's another thing yeah <laughs> he's just so. like i've sh- i've seen that shit no way <laughs> you know like, he's yeah. not he's not playing but yeah no he definitely did seems to have some kind of uh prior knowledge to a lot of this stuff but you know he is a well-learned man so who knows what matt got up to
0: Matt sternness is just from the fact that, you know, there's brown snakes in the bush, his wife has yeah. passed away, he's got a young child. Maybe he's stern out of necessity, but he's happy to open up and be a little bit more chaotic when there's situation. Yeah, be-
1: he's sensible when he needs to be, and when things are out of that
2: realm, he, he's
1: willing to accept it, I think. All
2: right, how many
0: gum leaves did you give this
1: episode, Lee?
2: Well, I actually gave it the same as last week, which is 3.7. So the whole two harder for me was a 3.7 so this one to me was certainly elevated over most of the other ones just in terms of the culture the information that was shared it had a bit more of a documentary feel it felt a bit more real than some of the previous episodes where you know some things arguably are a bit far-fetched so yeah overall I thought this was a really good episode I Mm -hmm. thought the two parts fit together really well you got a good setup in part one and then a good payoff in part two so for that reason 3.7 gum leaves from me Johnny?
1: Okay, I think I'm going to go higher because I actually really, really like this episode. I know I liked the last one a lot, um, but I feel like this one definitely tied a lot of things up. But I just really appreciated that even even though it was sort of just a dance at the end, that whole sequence, I feel like they really did appreciate it, what they had there, and they, you know, used it. You know, used it in the story well and I liked all the characters and everything. And But we definitely got Two sides of different cultures, because Matt in town, um, being schmoozed by Judd, you know, he flies in these guys by plane. Like, it's like, as Lee was saying, like that 60s optimism where maybe we can use our modern technology to help cultures come together and, you know, expand and stuff. So I definitely felt like them, uh, you know, as I said, there was a little bit there and I might be reading into it too much there, but I really enjoyed that. So I'm going to give it like four for this episode and then four and a half for the total of those two episodes together.
2: Yeah, well, mine, so I gave the last one 3.7 and this one 3.7. So I guess overall, um, you know what, actually, no, I'm going to change that. I'll say because together <laughs> they went together so well, hmm. I might give it three. 9. Okay. As
0: a total. I actually can't remember what I did last week. I think I was in the fours, 4.1.
1: Perhaps, Yeah, maybe something uh, around then.
0: Something around that. And I'm going to keep it there. The, the episode sustained at that level for me. I enjoyed the culture. I enjoyed overcoming death, the story. Uh, I thought it could have been a bit more exciting or interesting in parts as well. I guess I missed some of the action as well. I know it's not the goal of this episode, but that's what prevented it from climbing into the mid to high fours, which it could have done Mm. with some different writing, I think. So, yeah, 4.1 for this episode and overall for me. Nice. All right. So, that brings us to the end of this episode, to the Tara doubleheader. Johnny, where are we going next week?
1: Okay. The next episode is 25 Surf King at a beach. Jerry wants to win the championship, but instead swims out to rescue a trapped swimmer. While back at the... Waratah National Park. Clancy and Matt have to fight a fire before it gets out of control. This sounds like it's getting right back into the uh, regular drama of a Skippy episode. Action time.
0: Alright, so we will catch you for that episode and see you next time. Johnny, goodbye. Thanks. Alright, see you later, Lee. Thanks.
2: See you everyone. See you next week.